Welcome to Ditch the Binge, the podcast where I help you stop binge eating and build a banging body image without having to obsessively track all your meals, be haunted by the scale, or waste another year of your life being controlled by how you look. If you are finally ready to end the war with food and body and grab life by the balls, you are in the right place. Good morning, my friends. Welcome back to another episode. I am happy that you're here. Today, we're we're going to talk about something a little bit different. And I mentioned this in a post that I did on Mother's Day, how I was going to talk about this on this week's podcast, which I don't, I maybe have talked about it a little bit in previous episodes, um, but we're just going to go into it a little bit deeper. And that is the topic of how losing my mom four and a half years ago really kind of shifted the trajectory of my life. And something that I so as I, I'm sober, and many of you probably know that, but if you don't, I'm I'll have uh, I think twelve twelve years this year. Uh, so that's exciting, which is also mind blowing. But you know, something that I often heard in the rooms of AA were they just haven't hit their rock bottom yet. Anytime someone came in and then relapsed, or anytime someone shared and. They shared about someone who wasn't getting sober. I would often hear, well, they just haven't hit their rock bottom yet. And even when I heard it 12 years ago, I just was like, gosh, that just doesn't land right for me. And I think it didn't land right for me because, well, my rock bottom, if I could have gone any more to the bottom, literally would have been a grave. Like, I could not have gotten much more to the bottom. (laughs) Like, that's the fast track that I was on. And that's not an exaggeration. Like, I really, I wasn't far from that. It wasn't, it wasn't far into my future if I wouldn't have changed things. And, and that's kind of what I want to weave into today's topic is this belief this idea that we are taught and fed of, well, it just isn't bad enough yet. It just isn't bad enough yet. And I kind of lived in that mentality for most of my life. And what that got me was a Severe eating disorder, multiple trips to treatment centers for food and alcohol, and severe anxiety and really just trying to get away from me, right? I kept thinking, something must be wrong with me. I must be broken. It must not be bad enough. Why am I not changing? Oh, I guess I just need to push harder, right? I lived with the mantra, basically, of if it doesn't hurt, I'm not trying hard enough. There was ever an option between hard and harder, I was going harder. And you can probably relate to this where you love doing hard things. Like it's super fun. It's super fun to do hard things and blow your own mind. Nothing better, whether it's a physical activity, a mental activity, just doing something that you've never done before. I think that when you don't do those risks, I mean, quite honestly, I feel like you're wasting your life. Like, that's a really bold statement, I know. And it's also 
doesn't mean you're wrong or anything. Like I'm kind of backpedaling a little bit there, but also like, ah, it just kills me to see so many people not do the thing that lights them up for fear of it might not work. So that's what I want to talk a little bit about today, among other things. So grab your coffee or whatever. If you're on a run, I hope this motivates you to push all the way through. And yeah, let's dig in. So my mom died four and a half years ago, and it was very sudden. And also, I'm going to tell you how she died because I always want to know. Every single time someone dies... I'm like, oh my God, that's so bad. I'm so sorry. But also, how did it happen? Tell me everything. Like, I really want to know. Even like whether it's someone close to me or like, you know, six degrees of separation, I, re- I want to know the details. And I don't know if that's because I'm just like sick and twisted. I mean, for my entire life, I've been obsessed with the books that are just terrifying. Like my mom would say, why are you reading these? And you know, like as a 13, 14 year old, I wanted the books with the trauma and abuse and like, just like a hard life. And I just, I think that that's a lot of what makes me tick is because it's just so human, even though we're talking about death, but I really love hearing about the things that, the details of things. Like, I don't want to just hear about all the beautiful, wonderful daisies of life, even though that is really important. I also want the real raw stuff. And I just think that, you know, that's something that every obituary should include in the paper so we can know. (laughs) So we can move on with our life and know, oh, that's how, okay. Like, it's just weird. It's like a loop. I need it to be closed. So um, the day my mom died, I was, uh, I had been speaking with her that morning and on Facebook Messenger and, and, you know, we were messaging for a few minutes and then she told me she was going to paint the garage that day. And I was like, cool, love you. Have a great day. And later that day I was at, um, what was my school? Portland State. I was at Portland State studying for finals and I was sitting in the computer lab and my brother called me and he's like, hey, how's it going? I was like, fine, what's going on? And he's like, well, mom fell and it wasn't good. And my heart just sank. And I remember picking up all of my papers and I remember one guy sitting next to me who I think he knew something bad had just happened by the way he was like watching me. I don't know why I remember him and and him watching me, but I like picked up all of my stuff and I booked it out of the library. And the next, gosh, 36 hours probably were like a movie in slow motion. And you know, I drove halfway to Eastern Oregon in the night and then to only to find out that she had been lifelighted to Seattle because her symptoms were getting worse and they didn't have the, the facilities that they needed there. So they lifelighted her over to Seattle. And so then I had to drive back to Portland and I ended up, I think, staying the night there and then driving to Seattle. And 
you know, it was then that the doctors told us she wasn't going to make it. And, um, you know, if you knew my mom, which I'm going to go ahead and assume 99% of you had no idea who my mom was, but kind of similar to me, just like really blunt, very like, just tell me the truth. Like, just tell me how it is, uh, for better or worse. We're both that way. Um, and so she was really transparent. She was really vocal about like, listen, if anything ever happens to me, pull the plug, cut the cord. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be a vegetable. I don't want to, if I can't read, if I can't enjoy life, like I don't know, don't even entertain the idea. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Like just end it. And so, you know, my brother and I both received those messages so often growing up that, you know, it was like, okay, like when the doctor told us, you know, that her, the brain damage was so bad that even if she did make it, she wouldn't really be making it. Um, and so how she died, you know, we don't honestly know. Um, she was out painting the garage that day. And when, when he told me she fell, she had been up on the top of a ladder and we, we don't know for sure, but we think it was probably, um, a brain aneurysm or, or some, a stroke or something. And she fell from the ladder and hit her head onto the concrete in the garage and, yeah, the the swelling in her brain and the blood in her brain um, just was going to make it so she couldn't be a functioning person. So, you know, we took her off life support. It was horrible. It was horrible. It's like an it's the the worst nightmare that I can't get away from. And but, and I'm not really into like you know, you can't just jump when you have something tragic or traumatic happen to like, and then I realized my life was like, no, I went through some shit after my mom died. And I think that that's something, you know, I want to just make really vocal and, and really put a pin in is because whether it's something as, as extreme as losing a parent or a death, or whether it's something as small as like, you know, when you're comparing the two, you know, one isn't really bigger than the other, but when you're comparing the two, there is a little bit of a difference. But so like, even if you have a work meeting that doesn't go well and you say something stupid or you bomb a presentation, we want to skip over the pain. Understandably so, right? Like who wants to be in pain? Not me. Like, I, give me all the success and wins and monies and accomplishments and awards and feel good feelings forever. Like, yes, please. I will take that over pain, discomfort, sadness, loneliness, all of those things. But those quote bad emotions are like welcome to life. Welcome to life. How often have you taken those? bad days, painful feelings, sad emotions, and made it mean you're failing. Something's wrong. This quote shouldn't have happened. You know, people say that about my mom or about their own lives and, or, or life threw me a curveball. I'm like, what? Like life is a curveball. Like the, the thing that trips us up the most is this idea that it not we should never experience any uncomfortable emotions. We should never have failure. We should never have rejection. And life should just be amazing for us all of the time. And a, 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 like a, it would be lovely, but like also if that's the 
expectation you have of yourself, anytime something does go off course a little bit, you're going to go right to the, oh, this is bad. I failed. I'm doing it wrong. Instead of, this is just what's happening. Right. So when I, when my mom died, I, of course, you guys, like, I've, I'm not a psycho. Like, of course, I thought, well, I'm kind of psycho, but like, I'm not really. I thought, you know, this shouldn't, this shouldn't happen. Like, I really did. You know, I was 29 and I was, you know, like, oh my God, she's not going to get to see me get married. She's not going to see me graduate from college. She's not going to see me, blah, blah, blah. like, all the things. Like, this shouldn't happen. And then, you know, again, after I kind of processed a lot of that, I got to move to the other side. And so I wanted to tell you this specific scenario and talk about my mom because for 15 years prior to her death, I had really struggled. I'd really just struggled. Like I didn't feel like I got my shit together-ish until 32, probably, 33, like like last year. <laughs> A couple years ago. Um, And it was after she died that I was kind of, I was shook, right? I was shook to my core because anytime someone dies or it's like a monumental birthday, I think we, we reflect a little bit. And I for sure reflected after she died and I was thinking, God, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want, and and what is this? This was like, my food was still kind of messy. Like I wasn't living life. I was just kind of trying to survive. I was just trying to make it. I just wanted everyone to like me. I just wanted to do the right thing. I just wanted all of that to just be perfect. And it was after she died that I was like, whoa, whoa. None of that shit matters. None of it. You know, I thought about the people that my mom would talk to me about that didn't like her or she didn't have the best work environment. She constantly talked to me about that. And so then after she died, I thought about them. And I just, I thought about just so much in such a weird way that I've never even thought about before. But really what it came down to for me was none of it matters. None of it matters and absolutely all of it matters. Because when she died, guess what? Life kept going. The people that didn't like her kept living. People kept paying their bills. People kept going out to eat. People kept getting in their cars and going to work. Nothing stopped. Nothing stopped. We fear doing what we want because of what they might think. And it was really when she died that I was like, oh, it doesn't matter. Like people that didn't like her don't really care. People that did like her, guess what? They're still living too. You know, our role in this planet is so small, but also so important. You know, we feel so much guilt about going after what we want, doing what we want. Why? Like your life is literally about you. Why not go for it? Why not try? And so it was after she died that I was like, okay, I don't want to do this 
And again, my this at the at the time wasn't bad. And I really, you know, that's what I a big takeaway I want you to have from this episode is is that going back to that rock bottom thing that I constantly heard in in AA is just the wrong approach. When you want change, when you want to do something different, when you want to become a different version of yourself, we often think to push harder, it needs to hurt. I need to burn myself out. I need to just hustle and grind every single day. And any of my change, especially over the last four and a half years, any of my growth over the last four and a half years has not come from that. Because when we're in that mindset, it's very fight or flighty. It's very graspy. It's very anxious energy. And when my mom died and I was like, okay, I'm done with this fucking food thing. I, I'm, I, I got goals. I got dreams and I'm ready. Like, what if I, what if I die? You know, it kind of put me into like just a whole different frame of mind. I was like, what if, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be wishing for a life. I want to, I'm, I'm done waiting. Like I, I want to go, I'm doing it. I'm doing the thing. And it was then that after, you know, years and years and years and years and years of trying to figure out my quote food thing, it finally started to click for me. And it's not that it was like the day that she died, I was like, and I'm cured. (laughs) I think we think that too. Like, okay, once I learn this information, then I'm going to be fixed forever. And it wasn't like that. But... What was happening was I started wanting better for myself. Things were going pretty damn well, and I wanted better. I wasn't at my rock bottom. I had money. I had a relationship. I had a job that I loved. I had so much going well, and I wanted it to be better. Things don't have to get worse before they get better. What I had was kind of like an internal shift of the importance of life for me. And it changed my perspective and how I showed up because I went through life for so long thinking like I was like the center of the universe and also like the gum on the bottom of your shoe, right? I, I kind of went between the two. And what I started to do was shift my focus just onto me because for so long, everything I was doing was for them, was for how I might be perceived, was for what they might think of me. And I started to shift that of, okay, I want to be happy. I want my own peace. And that was when my food finally started to shift. That was also when I decided to start my own business. You know, I left a really great city. I left a great job. I left a relationship. I left so much, like I left my life because I wanted something better. I was like, this is good. Like on paper, no one's going to be like, wow, her life was falling apart. It was in shambles. No, it was good. And I wanted something different. I wanted something different. 
And it was coming from a place of excitement. It was coming from a place of hope, not from inadequacy, scarcity, lack. It was coming from, this sounds super fun and exciting and holy shit, I'm terrified. I can't believe I'm moving back to my hometown. I can't believe I'm starting this gym in a tiny ass town that nobody likes to work out in. What am I doing? Who do I think I am? Let's go. Nothing is certain. Nothing is guaranteed. Nothing. That business that I started back then, you know, running the gym could have been a flop. And I will say that probably most people would have assumed that. I kind of did, to be honest. <laughs> like my town was so, so small. It's like a population of 7,000 and lots of just ranchers and cowboys and they like steaks and potatoes and lots of butter and that's all wonderful, but not really into the fitness scene. And so I, you know, had all those fears of, oh my God, this is never like, this will never work. Also on paper, you're like, oh yeah, this is never going to work. Who cares? The most insane ideas are only insane until they work. And then they're like, oh, that was a really good idea. People will throw shit from the cheap seats of your life. When you start doing things that they wish they could do, but they don't admit to anyone, their own insecurities and fears are going to flare up. Are you sure you want to do that? That doesn't sound like a good idea. Maybe you should just stay put. I don't know. There's a lot on the line there. Put it on the line. Oh my God, for the love of God, do not turn into like a 75-year-old and just think, I wish I just would have lived a little bit more. And this doesn't mean you have to blow your life up like I did, but ask yourself, why are you not? Why are you not doing the thing? Why are you not showing up with the confidence? Why are you not saying what's on your mind? Why are you not asking for what you need? What is really holding you back? Fear of failure? What is it? Answer that question. I don't have the answer, but I think it's important for you to start to answer it. Because what happened within me was within me the entire time. And I believe that is true for every single one of you. I think so many of us go through life waiting for like this magic pill. We're like, oh, I just tell me what to do. (laughs) Oh my God. If I had a dollar for every time I asked someone that like, okay, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. But like, just tell me what to do. (laughs) And I think we're waiting for this like formula, this magic formula that's going to make us eat perfectly, be super successful, be super loved. And really, you know what the formula is? You go out there and you fucking try it. You do it and you learn from it. And then when you don't die from the thing, you gain confidence. You show up in your life differently. When you do those hard things and you fall flat on your face, You have more confidence in yourself than you ever thought possible. It is those days, it is those events that rip us apart, that build us up the fastest. I'm not super religious, I'm not super spiritual. However, I'm getting a little bit more into the woo stuff the older that I get. 
But in a way, maybe to make my own mind be okay, to make myself be okay, I do in a way believe that my mom kind of died for me because she saw me struggling with my food, with alcohol, with friendships for decades. She saw me fighting my inner demons to depths that most don't go to. She lived in treatment centers with me. She drove me to rehabs and detox centers. She came to the family days. She held me when I cried, when I thought nobody liked me at school. She saw me fighting so hard and wondering what is wrong with me. And it was honestly after her death that I started to finally believe nothing is wrong with me. Nothing is wrong with me. And you guys, for most of my life, my story was something's wrong with me. What am I missing? I must be missing something. I must be doing it wrong. Something must be wrong with me. And it was when I changed that story was when everything else changed. Meaning, no, you don't need to have a tragic death in your life. No, you don't need to have something horrific happen to you. It's in there now. Honest to God, it is like a little tiny pearl sitting inside of you is what I'm envisioning. And it's just waiting to be just popped open. It doesn't take something massive. It doesn't have to take something huge, but it can. I love the massive and the huge things. I think those are amazing. (laughs) Instead of running from the things that terrify you, run into them. If you really want the human experience, if you really want to live, if you really want to change, if you really want to grow into a new version of you, you've got to do those things that scare the shit out of you. Making the move, taking the job, quitting the job, getting in the relationship, leaving the relationship, right? There's no right way. So don't don't you dare let yourself go down that path of like, okay, yeah, but like, what's the right thing? No. We are not doing that today. You know what the right thing is. So stop guessing, second guessing yourself. Start trusting yourself. And stop thinking things need to be worse. You're not bad enough. You're missing something. Something must be wrong with you because it's all bullshit. You know what happens when we tell ourselves those stories? They're distractions. It's so much easier to think something must be wrong with me instead of looking at what else is going on. I swear to God, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just focusing your attention on that, which is distracting you from what else is going on, from what else wants the attention. So don't wait for things to get worse. Don't wait for things to get harder If things feel off, or even if things feel amazing and you want them to be better, go after that. Go all in. Show up. And this is something I talked about in a call yesterday, was (laughs) creating your own big dick energy. And I really mean that. Like, what creates that big dick energy in your life? You know, you know. The, the energy that you get, you get the outfit on and you're like, 
what? This fits amazing. Or you just get your hair done or your nails done and you just like you look in the mirror and you are 10 out of 10 that day, baby. What can you do in your life to create more of that energy? How can you start to intentionally curate your life for that? And again, I think a lot of us think, well, that's cheating. That's not cheating. That's not cheating. It's called taking care of yourself. It's called knowing what you want and doing whatever you need to do to get it. You know, some ways that I get into my big dick energy is podcasts, songs, books, masterminds, connecting with other women, anything, anything at all, putting new content out there, running a new group, you know, like the, the more that you do this, you're going to feel that energy and you're going to be like, oh, this is it. And then I want you to do more of it. Whatever that it is for you, whether it's a morning walk, whether it's 10 minutes of meditation, whether it's a really hard run, whether it's five minutes of journaling, whether it's 10 push-ups, who cares? You get to do you. There is no right way. But when you find it and you're like, this feels almost too good to be true, It's not. Start going out of your way to create more of that. All right, my friends. I hope this motivates you to just kind of question some things in your life, how you're showing up, what your current goals are, and then getting really true with yourself about what you really want. What do you need to do to create that? All right. Thanks for being here. I will talk to you all next week. I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here and listening and taking time to let me into your little ear holes. It means the world to me. It would also mean the world to me if you would just take a hot little second and subscribe to the show and leave a review. This helps other people who have been where you're at or are currently where you're at find this podcast. And that is the greatest gift you could give to me. Thanks for hanging in there.